Thanks for listening to audio from North Monroe. To learn more about who we are, visit northmonroe.com or download the North Monroe app in the App Store or on Google Play. Now, here's this week's message. Hope y'all have had a good Christmas so far. We had a great night last night up here and the music team did an amazing job on Christmas Eve service. And uh, it's always my favorite service of the year. People say, why? And I said, because all I have to do is read. I don't even have to write the material. All I have to do is read and listen to them lead us in worship. And, you know, if you add up Bastrop Campus, this campus, over 2,000 people involved in uh, Christmas Eve service is pretty special. And I appreciate you guys being here today. When when we knew it was going to be on Christmas Day, we didn't know if we'd have 10 or 100 or how many people might come. So I'm glad you're here. I know it's hard to get here, especially with little kids and doing the whole Christmas morning, but appreciate you coming and celebrating. I thought, what better time to have uh, to celebrate the birth of our King than on his birthday, right here, Christmas Day. And so we're going to worship today. Those of you who are online, uh, thank you for joining us and being a part of what we're doing today. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, Elise just sang that beautiful song, Emmanuel, and um, it was interesting to me as I watched her sing, knowing that that was her baby in her arms, and um, as a mom, just naturally swaying and bouncing and cooing with the baby, and um, all those things that make it come alive, that when Mary had Jesus, uh, uh, she had the Lord of the universe in her arms and yet doing all the mom things with all the baby stuff. And, um, and we're so grateful for that. And we're grateful for that moment of incarnation that has so deeply affected us. And I pray that everything we do today would, would give him glory in Jesus name. Amen. Luke chapter two, uh, the familiar passage. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone around about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel, a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. You know, that's the emphasis of the angelic announcement that I really kind of take issue with. Peace on earth. I mean, isn't that the promise of Christmas? And that's the promise that we love to share. And there's a sentimentality to it. We see it uh, sung and we we hear it sung. We see it in uh, all kinds of Christmas ornamentation everywhere else. And yet uh, it's one of my favorite expressions, peace on earth, goodwill toward men. My problem is I can't find it anywhere. Can you? I mean, where is it? Sadly, peace on earth is hard to find, especially in our time. Uh, And if Jesus came to bring peace on earth, then something has gone terribly wrong. Wouldn't you agree? 
I mean, look at our world here in America and the domestic problems that we have and the lack of peace in political systems and in in systems of government and uh, how we interact and relate to each other and the the mass shootings. And then you uh, transfer that to the global world picture and all of the wars that are going on all around the world right now. And you, you say, man, if, if peace on earth was the mission, something went terribly wrong. Um, it reminds me of that uh, beautiful poem by Longfellow that was turned into a, uh, a song, I Heard the Bells. Have you listened to the lyrics? Listen to the lyrics this time, knowing the backstory. It was written in 1863, which would have been right in the middle of the Civil War. Um, in 1861, Longfellow's wife of 18 years was tragically burned in a fire. And then his son went off and joined the Union Army against his will and was terribly injured in the war. He did survive his injury. But Longfellow wrote this song with all of that backdrop in mind, and he, it went like this. I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play, and mild and sweet their songs repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And the bells are ringing, peace on earth, like a choir they're singing, peace on earth. In my heart I hear them, peace on earth, peace on earth, goodwill to men. And in despair I bowed my head, there is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill toward men. You know, I hate to ruin a beautiful Christmas sentiment, but I don't think we're ever going to have peace on earth. You know why? Because there are people on earth. And as long as there are people on earth, uh, we're always going to struggle because people struggle. Nietzsche was wrong about a lot of things, but what he seems to have got right is this idea that the basic drive of man is the will to power and that man is always seeking to assert that will over other people. And, and as a re result of that, we have this continuing sense of conflict and no gushy amount of sentimentality or, or uh, hopes and bumper stickers. I saw a bumper sticker the other day, visualize world peace as if it could somehow be brought into reality by just having the hope that it would actually happen. To have world peace, you'd have to rid the world of people because wherever you find people, you find conflict, right? And our selfishness is always at the core of that. It's always kind of ripping us apart and putting us in conflict with, with one another. And so now we're, we're, we're at a quandary because we've heard this angelic announcement that Jesus came to bring peace on earth, goodwill toward men, but something seems to have gone quite wrong in that. And we know that angels don't make mistakes in their announcements, so what's really at the core of it? Well, here's the core of it. Unfortunately, when the King James Bible translated that verse, um, they translated it uh, in a way that it, it lent itself to the idea that there would be peace on earth, goodwill toward men, when in fact, the construction of that is quite different, and it doesn't really say it that way. And I, I don't want to mess you guys up, because I know some of you guys are like, hey, if it was good enough for Paul, it's, it's good enough for me. I'm going to stick with the King James. I'm good with that. It's a beautiful translation, right? But in this particular case, it actually says, peace on earth among men who have been favored. And that's a really different idea, isn't it? It's not peace on earth in general, goodwill toward men uh, globally, but it's the idea that peace on earth among those who have been favored. 
Jesus, in fact, never promised world peace. He said that as long as he's not on the throne, that there would always be wars and rumors of war. Remember that when he's predicting his coming in Matthew 24? And, and that has certainly been proven true for the last 2,000 years. Billy Graham writing in Hope for the Troubled Heart said, The United Nations proclaimed 1986 as the international world of peace. What happened? The world responded with more than 100 wars, according to the Center for Defense Information in Washington. And Jesus even told his followers this. He said this in Matthew 10, verse 34, and it can't be any more clear than this. Do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. Do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. He says it again in Luke, records him saying the same thing. I did not come to bring peace but a sword. In fact, the gospel becomes a very divisive thing among people. And we see it today, right? So what is this all about? What does peace on earth mean? I think it means two things. Uh, first of all, it means it's peace is spiritual. It says in verse 14, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. That's the NIV translation. Uh, peace is only given to those on whom his favor rests. Uh, you're like, well, that doesn't seem right, does it? Uh, on whom God's favor rests. How do, I, how do I find His favor? Well, it all comes back to this beautiful theological word called reconciliation. The purpose and the plan of Christ coming to earth was reconciliation. We talked about this a few weeks ago. God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself. That was His calling. Um, and that word means to restore a broken relationship. And this is what we have to kind of wrap our heads around. Uh, sin broke the relationship. When God made Adam and Eve, the Bible describes the, the relationship He had with them. He walked in the garden with them and they knew God and God knew them and they, they had this unbroken relationship. But then something happens. What happens? Well, sin enters the world. And so sin creates a separation between you and God, between me and God. Uh, Isaiah 59, 2, but your iniquities, that's another word for sin, have made a separation between you and your God and your sins have hidden his face from you so he does not hear. And so separated from God, man becomes the enemy of God. Philippians 3, verse 18, for many walk of whom I often told you and now tell you even weeping that they are enemies of the cross whose end is destruction, whose God is their appetite, and whose glory is their shame, who set their minds on earthly things. Do you see that? And, and, and this explains a lot because one of the questions that I often have is, why is everybody so mad at Jesus? Why, why are so many people upset with Jesus when the only thing He ever did was love this old stubborn, rebellious world by giving His life on the cross? Why would that make someone mad when his mission in life was to liberate you from the bondage of sin and restore the broken relationship with God? And yet the very problem is the very sin that's in us creates a hostility that makes us an enemy of God. But here's the beauty of it. Grace is so beautiful because even though we were hostile to God, God never became hostile to us. Colossians chapter 1, verse 21, And although you were formerly alienated and hostile in your mind, engaged in evil deeds, yet He has now reconciled you, there's that beautiful word again, in His fleshly body through death in order to present you before Him holy and blameless and beyond reproach. And so when we receive the gift of grace that comes through Jesus on the cross, we find peace with God. 
Listen to Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And that peace with God then translates into a peace within ourselves. And this is the core of what he's talking about here. The angels announced peace on earth, goodwill toward men with whom he is well pleased, with whom he favors. And so the peace is personal. When we're at peace with Jesus, we can be at peace with ourselves. And notice he only gives that to those whom he favors. And it's like, well, does God really favor? Look, God loves everyone, but he only favors a few. Do you got that? Uh, it should be easy to understand. If you're a parent, you, you get this. You love everyone, but you only favor a few. I mean, there are a few people in my life, and I love every one of you, but I favor some more than others. There are four boys and their wives and their children and this beautiful woman God has given me to live with who are included in my family, and my family is favored by me. And so is yours. Your family is favored by you. If you've ever played Little League Baseball, you understand that the child is favored if the dad's the coach, right? We all get that. Well, God favors his children. I remember I learned this from Dobson years ago. One of, one of my little guys wanted to uh, climb up in my lap. I was sitting in the chair. And he, said, he said, Dad, can I get up in the lap with you? And, and I said, well, wait a minute. Uh, very few people can get in my lap. He's like, what, really? I said, yeah. They, only little boys with blonde hair. And he goes, I have blonde hair. I said, yeah, you do have blonde hair, but only little boys with blonde hair who live in this house. He said, I live in this house. I said, you do? He said, yeah. And I said, but there's one more thing. Only little boys with blonde hair who live in this house whose name is Die. My name's Die. Well, then get up here. And he comes scrambling up into my lap, you know. But in that moment, I think he understood the favor of the Father. And that's exactly what, what we're getting here, that we have peace with God because we have peace, in, in a, and I think it comes up in a couple of ways. Even when we sin, you know, I've got this counselor friend, I've said this before. He said that when God created us, he put a guilt alarm in all of us. Because knowing that in creating us, we would one day sin, he wants the alarm to go off. And so when we sin, the alarm goes off. That's called guilt. And some people live their life with the alarm going off in their head. And that's why they're never at peace, because they know something's terribly wrong. They just don't know what to do about it. The problem is, even when we're in Christ, we still experience that guilt for our sin because we don't know the code to the alarm. You know, one day I, I came in here and uh, the new alarm was on this building and suddenly the alarm went off. And it's like, if you ever walk into a building and the alarm goes off? The first thing I had to do was find one of those boxes with where you type the code in. And then the second thing, and even more difficult for me was, I had to remember my code. If you can't find, remember your code, it's hard to remember it in the middle of an alarm going off, Right. Well, let me tell you what the code to guilt is when you get to the box and the alarm's going off. It's called G-R-A-C-E. Type that in. And when you begin to experience that unrest and that, that conflict within you, 
and guilt begins to accuse you, you need to go back to the Father and you need to say, hey, wait a minute, my sin, not just the sins I did, but the sins I've done and the sins I do, hey, those are covered by grace. That doesn't mean that we're just free to do whatever we want, but we need to understand grace has got it covered. And that gives us peace. But he also has peace in difficult times. That means that even though we go through hard times and our hearts are in conflict, we can still know peace. Look at John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives. It's not a superficial, shallow peace. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. And I have to remember that no matter what I face, because I'm in relationship and I'm favored by my Father, I don't go through it alone. That's peace. And then when we know that kind of peace, one last thing, peace becomes your mission. To know peace is to give peace. Blessed are the peacemakers. Why? What were they, what's it say about them? Blessed are the peacemakers. Why? For they shall be called what? Does anybody know? Sons of God, children of God. We are never more like God than when we give peace and we bring the peace that the Father has given to us and we bring the peace into our world. Writer Mark Buchanan said, this is the love of God, an alchemy that can turn enemies into children. Dear friends, John writes, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is this excerpt from a letter written by a missionary couple in Brazil. Driving through the Christmas traffic, fighting a drizzling rain, I chanced upon a four-year-old little girl. She was wet and cold and shaking. Her clothes were ragged, her hair was matted, her nose was running. She was walking between the cars at the stoplight, washing headlights because she was too short to wash windshields. I gave her coins. Others honked at her to get away from their vehicles. As I drove away, only some 50 cents poorer, I raged at God for how the injustice in the world that allowed the situation. God, how could you stand by helpless? Later that evening, God came to me softly with that still small voice and responded, not in like kind to my rage, but with tenderness. I have done something. I created you. You become my peace. You become my love. One man said, he calls you and me to be his kiss, his touch, his word, his embrace, and by doing so, to also be assured of his kiss, touch, word, and embrace. That's the peace that God brought. And so when that angel stood up before those shepherds and said, Peace on earth, goodwill among men whom he favors. He brought a message of truth that is as relevant in this moment as it's ever been. God wants you to know peace. He wants to be at peace with you. He wants you to be at peace with him. The, the reconciliation that comes through Jesus is available to you today if you need to receive that by faith. But he, in, in receiving that, he gives us peace within ourselves. And that peace marks us for the rest of our lives. Whenever we fail and whatever we fall, and we're still going to fall. 
we're still under grace and we're still forgiven and we're still restored and we need to remember the code when the alarm goes off. And to walk in peace knowing that I'm favored by my Father. And in knowing that, guess what happens? You become the agent of peace. Would you pray with me right now? Father, thank you for the peace. Um, We have to admit that a lot of times uh, we assume responsibility you never gave to us and we worry. Father, we admit to you that sometimes we struggle with our guilt because we forget that grace is the code. We admit to you that sometimes we're anxious and we're troubled. We're fearful because we forget that you're with us. And so, Father, in this Christmas season, help us to receive that gift of peace and let that peace mark who we are in every encounter of our life. And then, God, make us agents of peace for those people who need it desperately in their lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our hope is that this message has encouraged you to seek Christ in your own life and make Him known wherever you are. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and share it with a friend. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week.